This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm John Champion, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time, over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcast.roddenberry.com for you to choose from science, feminism, even daily news, and all stops in between. Boldly go and find us. When you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcast.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 25 of the Half Missions Podcast. That's right, 25. We're on our way to 50, Paul. But as always, I'm joined by Paul. Does the cream go on the jam or the jam on the cream canella? But wait, there's more. He puts the Paul and Pauline. He's the driver Paul Walker, which as he could be. Lock up your cream eggs. You're about to spend an hour with canella. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, my chum, my bud, my pal, my co-host, Paul Canella. Paul, yeah. we're on the verge of a potential lockdown. How are you? <laughs> good thank you Dan I you've really gone to town on that the only truth that was in that intro for me was uh to lock up your cream eggs because I, I will steal them and they're so easy to put in your pocket you know even in the supermarket they're easy right I don't know about that encouraging stealing of cream eggs but I <laughs> thought you did have some pretty strong views on is it jam then cream cream then jam yeah I sort of I went past that one because that one is a is a really dangerous one and also making a cup of tea as the you know the milk first the bag all of those sort of um they're, they're dangerous they're really the dangerous. milk in first yeah that, that's oh, not okay i don't know i don't know but um in my mind the milk blocks up the the pores of the tea bag so it's, it's what good. it does as soon as, as soon as you as soon as you put the milk in it, you you get no more. Uh, there's no more brewing. There's no more. I, I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Anyone who's tuning into this as the first time ever is already going. What's this about? Why are people recommending this to me? What even is this? What, what even is this podcast about, Paul? What is it about? This this podcast is about TV, movies, and all things entertainment. Have you not seen our bio on Twitter? Oh, that's right. That's right. Simple, yeah. easy to remember, and if. If people were trying to find us, get hold of us, where would they go? Well, they can go to the social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Half Measures Pod is where you find us. Uh, and also our website, uh, halfmeasurespodcast.com. Please do get in touch with us if you want us to, you know, watch a movie. Maybe something you, you're you thinking of watching and you can't be bothered to watch it. Maybe we'll watch it for you first. That's the kind of service we offer here. And, uh, yeah. Why not check out the Discord community while you're at it in the description of this episode? Very nice, Paul. We'll watch that movie and then we'll ruin it for you by telling yep. you all the things about it, all the spoilers. Um, we'll tell you our opinions. So if you if you join on the Discord, you can actually check in, see what we're watching, and that way we don't ruin it for you. Correct. Just an option, just an option. We've also got a, a Patreon page, so if you'd like to support the the Half Measures podcast, keep the lights on. Um, we've got a couple of different tiers there. But today's show is uh, proudly brought to you by Trisha Brady and Samara King. They are our Patreon producers this week. So thank you once again, ladies. Great to have your support. 
Thank you indeed. All right, Paul. So it is, as we often say, uh, a time on a tradition. What have you been watching? And I watched The Fast and Furious. Can you believe I it? I appreciate you bringing it up and me not having to, because every every week I'm like, how am I going to incorporate it this week? But you know what? I've got You're doing the Lord's work now. I actually, I shouldn't have called it, it's actually Fast and Furious because, you know, the titles are so close. So this one's the 2009 movie, the fourth one. I've been so excited to come on this podcast, which is, you know, weird because it happens every week. But I can't believe I'm about to say this, but this franchise, it's gone up in my opinion. This is the strongest movie so far. And so I'm excited about that because I know I've still got a few more to go. And um, I think for me, right, this movie, it all starts by having a plot point that makes me care. So Vin Diesel's girlfriend has been killed. And so straight away, all of the actions that he takes in this movie just feel justified straight away. And I, you know, I want him to succeed. So when I think about some of the other movies, uh, in particular that last one, the, uh, the, the Tokyo Drift, that's where my problem's been. There's been no general sort of, um, I don't know, like a, no authentic plot point. It's always been like a, a forced excuse for racing, in my opinion. So um, so when she got killed off, um, you know, I figure, you know, as a regular cast member, I was excited to have her back. So I did care about her death. I don't want to interrupt your flow too much, Paul. Uh-huh. But I guess my question is, you don't think uh, undercover cop infiltrating a a car gang that's stealing DVD players, a key uh, plot point. I I don't. I, I, was it DVD players or was it Blu-ray players? I don't know. No. It I, just I'm was, not sure. I'm not it's sure. amazing. It's amazing. Um, the, the, the amount of action that took place for those DVD players was extreme. But um, this one here, it felt about the right balance. Um, and, and another thing this movie did well, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts with the previous movies, how in these movies they always, with inexplicable ease, manage to close off hundreds of streets to allow these insane races to take place. But this movie got a thumbs up in this 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 area as well because they decided just to race through the regular traffic, which you know again makes it seem way more authentic, if if indeed quite dangerous. So yeah, I enjoyed this movie. I thought the story flowed really well. The action and driving scenes were really well edited. You get a real sense that you're you're actually in the car, which I think really makes it, it adds to the intensity. I always remember those car scenes from like um, the Jason Bourne movies. It's a real intensity that really draws you in. So, um, and you know, the, the, the cast, you know, the family's back and the movie is just so much better for it. I think that's where I, I also got lost in Tokyo Drift was, you know, just all those characters gone. So um, it just looks good as well. It's got a real good presentation. It's 2009, so maybe it just looks better. Paul Walker, Michelle Rodriguez, Vin Diesel, um, the guy, I can't remember his name, the guy who plays uh, Han, who was one of the standouts in Tokyo Drift, you know, returned for this movie, good performances. Um, I have to say, you know, it's reignited my interest in this genre, then I'm no longer furious. I feel like I'm part of the family. I'm ecstatic to hear this, Paul, and I'm... I think the great thing about number four for me, even though it's not one of my favourites, is I think there is something special about Vin Diesel and Paul Walker coming back together and, as you say, reuniting the family and kind of going a little bit back to its roots, I think. Yeah. Um, 
did you not find it funny that Han was in this one? Well, I think I may have if you hadn't have pre-warned me last time we right. spoke about, about the order. Otherwise, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'll i say right now I wish I'd watched it in the universe order rather than the production order. So if there's anything I need to know about the next one's going in, maybe let me know offline and uh, I'll make sure I watch it in that order. I won't put the listeners through that conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, That's good. So... So number number five is on your, your upcoming first, list, I imagine. First five, maybe this week, maybe next week. I'll, I'll keep you waiting in anticipation for that. But, uh, yeah, the franchise is, is, is on the way up, so um, I'm interested to see if it can maintain that. Other than that and other than the other things that we're going to talk about uh, jointly together, uh, we've got a TV show we're going to talk about jointly, and we've also got a movie of the week, obviously. Um, I've been watching a lot of comedies we're trying to find that sort of next tv show after after dark um so we kind of give our brains a bit of a rest and we've been watching you know, Shit's creek and seinfeld uh we've been watching yeah all kinds of uh, comedies just catching up on community really strong really strong i'm really getting into that now but the other thing that i want to talk about uh, this week is um retrogram and retrogram this is not something i've been watching this is something i've been listening to so retrogram is a uh, podcast hosted by a guy called Earl Green based in the US and this is a real gem of a find and I thought I'd talk about it on the on our podcast because uh, it could be of interest to you it could be of interest to the listeners so basically each podcast focuses on a specific week between 1970 and 1990 and it's basically this amazing walkthrough of all of the science fiction shows, superhero TV series, fantasy and TV movies that were that were broadcast on that particular week. So it's kind of like a podcast version of a time capsule, visit, revisiting all these TV shows from the, the past and sort of like all the classics of yesteryear that never got a chance to be discussed on podcasts when they first aired because obviously podcasts weren't a thing back then. But a really quick example of content. Um, so one of the more recent episodes, it was the week of 24 September 1990, and so you're getting these recaps of an episode of Quantum Leap, uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode, uh, the real Ghostbusters cartoon, I don't know if you remember that, but it really brings back some great memories, there's some great trivia, and it's kind of like, the feeling I get is like when, you, when you're looking through old sort of toy catalogues from the 80s, it's that kind of nostalgia. Um, and another thing that I like, and I hope maybe this is why I thought about it for our podcast, maybe there's something that they enjoy about our podcast, is that you never know what you're going to get with each podcast. Same with Half Measures. So I listen to a lot of specific podcasts, like you know the BBC Football Podcast, obviously football, Medical Soul, Medical Soul. You know what you're getting, but with Retrograde, it really is. It depends what was on TV that specific week that will determine the content of the podcast. So, um, you know, it's just like us when we talk about whatever movies and TV shows we've watched. So um, just like Retrogram, the listener doesn't know what will happen. Um, but, you know, it's a great listen. He puts his whole self into every episode, so much research and passion. He really puts us to shame in what he does with this old material. And um, it's uh, it's just a, a prime time podcast for me. It's always one of those ones that when it comes up on my list, I prioritise and uh, it's a real treat. And as someone who grew up in the 80s, it's really, really enjoyable. So that's Retrogram. That sounds really interesting. So it's just a, a single host on that show? 
Mm, yeah, guy called Earl Green, and he just he basically he he researches it, he produces it, he does the voice, everything. He's a one man band. Awesome. Um, I I love a good uh, podcast recommendation. So um, yeah, I might check that one out. Awesome. So, so yeah, that's me. That's me basically, Dan. That's you. That's you. All right. Well, I guess um, I'm in a not too dissimilar position in in the fact that I'm a little bit I'm a little bit uh, lost after dark in terms of looking for what is the what's the next show to to fill the void. Um, I have watched quite a few uh, things though. So the first movie I watched, and this was actually a recommendation uh, from one of our listeners, um, Patty from. Uh, Time time temp, time traveling temp. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah time traveling. Yep. Um, this was Thirteen Assassins. So, this is uh, a movie that's basically came out in two thousand eleven. It's uh, again just following on from my uh, Ghosts of Tsushima um, PlayStation vibe, looking for those sort of Japanese samurai samurai movies to kind of fit that sweet that sweet spot for me, mm. and. This is such a fantastic recommendation. I I remember this movie, but I don't ever remember um, it being really on my radar. So it's in Japanese, so obviously watching it with subtitles. It's got a it's obviously a remake of a, a movie that was made, and I think in about nineteen sixty, yeah, nineteen sixty three, mm-hmm. and it's one of those movies that actually reminds me a little bit of a. It's kind of got a bit of a Western vibe to it in the sense that there's a bit of a slow build-up, there's lots of kind of character settings, and then the last hour is just 13 assassins going going to work, basically, and bringing all of the action together. But I I found it a a really enjoyable watch, and it's one of those movies where I watched it on iTunes, and I rented it. It was might have been 99 cents or something i actually wish they brought it um and i think it's one one that i'd quite like to own really enjoyable would like to watch it again i think as i um continue to play ghost of tsushima Mm. in the years to come i think this is a movie i would definitely put on again some really great uh actors some really great scenes it definitely feels a little bit dated but not dated enough that it's it's not an excellent movie Okay, and it's quite it's quite a long movie I see as well, two hours twenty one minutes. Um, so, you know, with subtitles, that's quite a long watch. But it sounds like it's obviously worthwhile. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's why I say it's it's kind of got that Western vibe to me. And if you, when I sort of think back to some of those, um, oh God, his his name is completely escaping me. Um, Unforgiven and Clint Eastwood. Um, God, half measure. Uh, like just a really sort of like kind of slow build off the story, setting the scene, introducing you to different characters. And I wonder whether actually Dark actually helped me kind of prepare to watch a movie with subtitles of this length because it didn't feel like it was too long. Um, and it was like, it was just really cool. I think if you're a fan of the game and you've enjoyed playing that, highly recommend checking out this movie. Nice. Well, that's great. And I'm really, uh, really pleased it worked out because, you know, we always say drop us a line if you've got something you recommend. So, a shout out to Paddy for for recommending that because that's what it's all about. So um, yeah, great stuff. I love it. Yeah, look, I love it. I love it. I love getting these recommendations, and um, it's like a peak performance, isn't it? Like talking about mm. all these old movies mm. just brings up so much nostalgia. And um, I think movies like this, which are aren't maybe quite as mainstream, particularly in a Western culture, it's really cool to to see. Nice. 
I have watched another movie, um, which is actually uh, written by the same person who um, wrote our movie of the week this week. Um, so the movie I watched is Zombieland 2, uh, Double Tap. So I'm going to be honest, the well is getting dry on new content. And <laughs> this movie has been sitting on uh, the iTunes uh, movies for a while. This It was a 99-cent rental. I really enjoyed the first Zombieland, I think, since that movie came out. We've had a lot of Walking Dead, a lot of Fear the Walking Dead, a lot of zombie-related content, and I didn't feel the compelled or in any sort of hurry to watch uh, Zombieland Double Tap. So when I saw it there for 99 cents, I thought, you know what? I'll give it a go. There's not too much that can go wrong. I went in with pretty low expectations, and I had an awesome time. I actually really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. It kind of reuses some of those same concepts from the first movie, particularly around rules of um, living in a, a zombie-infected universe. It, they've kind of set it up for a, a zombie land three. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. I I thought that this was going to be a tired genre, but it, it's a lot of fun. I, I'd highly recommend it. I would imagine um, it's probably actually not far coming off some of our platforms. Like it's probably going to come onto Neon, I imagine, in the not too distant future um, if you're in New Zealand. But no, look, it's a good watch. It's a good laugh. If if you like the first movie, you're definitely going to enjoy this one. So give it a go. And I, I get like Woody Harrelson, um, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin, oh, so, uh, Rosario Dawson. So great. Great actors. They're having lots of fun. I, I love the first movie. I have to admit, I really enjoyed the first movie. And I can't believe it's been 10 years between those two movies, which seems incredible. Where has that time gone? But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the chemistry between the main cast and that first movie. So I see absolutely no reason why we won't give this one a go. Um, I'm actually getting a little bit jealous of this this 99 cent rental on iTunes. I'm, I feel like I need to get amongst the iTunes uh, content. That's, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it is actually really good, and I think it, it ninety nine cents feels like it's you know it's when you're looking when when the well feels dry, it's enough to kind of mm. you know put put something out there that you might be interested in. Particularly some of these movies where I don't think I would have wanted to pay full price to to go to the movies, but more than happy to um, chuck a chuck a buck that way. So Correct. much yeah. like you can on the half measures uh, Patreon support us for a dollar. Support us for a dollar. Exactly right. So those were the movies that I've been watching, but I've also watched a little bit of TV. So I mentioned last week that I started a TV show called Gangs of London. Mm. And just to put out a, a correction from that, I think I might have said it was only eight episodes long. It's actually uh, ten episodes long. Um, and But in saying that, it looks like just looking at the, the Rotten Tomatoes website – my number one source for truth. It actually says eight episodes, so, you know, fake news. Anyway, Gangs of London. So this is probably one of the most violent TV shows I have watched ever. And I I don't really um, shy away from uh, violence in a TV show. I, it doesn't normally worry me, but there is lots of 
horrific things that happen in this TV show. It's um, it looks like it's set up for another season. So it's it's ten episodes. It's uh, as we mentioned last week. It's an English TV show, obviously being called Gangs of London. Um, it's um, supported by AMC on their network, so it's obviously got a bit of um, street cred behind it. A lot of um, big actors in it. One of the main actors in it is actually uh, Joe Cole, um, who plays one of the the brothers in Peaky Blinders, and it's really interesting in interesting seeing him still play that gangster role but a very different type of gangster and the the premise of the show is basically uh, a main head of head of the gang head of basically who brings all these gangs together mm-hmm. um basically gets gets killed early on and um joe cole um is this gang leader's son and basically tries to steady the ship get all of these other gangs back in back in sync there's all sorts of turf wars um people fighting for um control people trying to set up other gangs there's a lot of hectic things that happen here i think i really enjoyed it but it did take me to almost the end of season three to really feel like i i did so the first three episodes I was kind of a little bit hit and miss. I'm like, am, am I gonna? Is this for me? I'm not. I'm not too sure. But by the end of the third episode, I was like, no, I'm in. And then I felt like I kind of binged uh, yeah. the remaining seven episodes really quickly. So, I think if you like gritty uh, English TV shows, if you're okay with some pretty hardcore violence, um, it's good. It's not necessarily the best TV show out there, but it's it's a it's a good watch. Um, and it it could, it could fill the void from dark potentially. Yeah, it could be a contender, actually. It scores well, reviews well. Um, I do love, you know, those British crime dramas. I mean, the list is, I could grab like a dozen right now. Just always love them. Modern day London as well is always good. Gangster movie, gangster TV shows, I'm all that for. I don't really mind, you know, I think violence in the right place in a movie. I'm I'm quite happy with that. So that wouldn't put me off either. So I might, uh, I might, might put this one in the mixer. There's a few things that we're weighing up at the moment. There's some some good alternatives, but this one, you've given me a, a nice little effort for it. And yeah, ten episodes is 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 quite doable. I think too, and when I say violent, it's it's not violence for the sake of violence either. Like it's it seems fitting for the genre and the things that are happening. It's kind of just that real make you kind of squeam. Um, violence that's like oh god turn away type thing mm. but it's but it, it, it's fitting I, I I definitely think they've tried to be edgy with it but I think they've mostly done it in a way that fits as I say with the the type of vibe they're going for there's there's some cast in there that appeal to me as well people that I've enjoyed now the shows Cole Meany immediately sticks out to me he played a character in two two series of Star Trek, two different series, and uh, also one of the main guys, um, Ray um, Panthaki. Uh, he's been the, one of the leads in Marcella, was the show I watched a while back. He's really good. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of positives here, Dan. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, look, give it a go. As I say, first three episodes, um, it'll take you three to kind of like really commit, but after that, you should be in. I've also been watching, I'm not going to go on too much about this because I imagine people probably don't care. You know how I've been watching Outrageous Fortune um, and I've, mm. there were six seasons of that that 
uh, myself and Samara have been watching through. So we finished that. And then there's actually a, a prequel series um, called West Side, which is uh, um, also set within New Zealand. Basically, I think it goes from about 1974 to 1984. And if you're a fan of Outrageous Fortune and you haven't seen West Side, highly recommended. It basically sort of tells you the backstory to all of these characters. It's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of great um, New Zealand um, moments. It, it tries to sort of touch on on history a little bit, pretty lightly. Mm. Uh, but it's it's really cool to see some of the characters which we really enjoyed in Outrageous Fortune as their as younger versions of themselves. So nice. I won't say too much more about it. I don't think it's for everyone. But if you're if particularly I think if you're a New Zealander, you're you'll probably enjoy it. And one other show, Paul, and I think you're going to be proud of me for this one because I've got Star Wars Rebels back on the burn. Finally. How far up are you now? Okay, so I am about halfway through season two. So so I feel like I've made quite good progress. I'm actually at the point now, and I think I maybe just needed a break. Mm -hmm. I think two things, actually. I think that... Having, uh, like we we're talking about and we we're about to talk about soon, Transformers War for Cybertron kind of got me back in the, the animated zone. Mm-hmm. And I think because I've had a bit of a decent break now from uh, the Clone Wars, I feel like this is really fun to watch. I feel like season one of Rebels, the, particularly sort of the, the first half of it, again, kind of trying to working out, trying to work out what type of show it is. Is mm-hmm. it for a younger audience? Are mm-hmm. we trying to build on that Clone Wars audience? Um, what what are we kind of doing here? Not probably not quite so bad as what Clone Wars initially did in the first yeah, season. Agree. And now we're into some some really awesome stories. Um, there's some a lot of really cool moments happening. There's some big set pieces, lots of inquisitors. I think um, again, it's reminding me a lot of the of the um, game uh, Fallen Order. Have I got that right? Yep. Star yeah. Wars Fallen Order game. <clears throat> so yeah, no, a lot of fun. I'm easily sort of finding myself watching uh, two or three episodes per night. So hopefully, I can maintain that pace. And I think, considering I don't really have a lot of other things on kind of busting to watch at the moment. Um, I'm hoping to, to work my way through it pretty quickly. It's pretty cool to see. Um, it's pretty cool, I guess, just to think about um, this series, particularly, again, getting a bit excited for season two of The Mandalorian, and we know that some of these characters potentially might be appearing in some of these universes. So, look, I'm excited, and I just want you to be proud of me. I feel I don't think I've ever felt prouder. I'm so glad you've gone back to it. My worry is is that as you talk about these these episodes as we go through, I'm just gonna to want to rewatch it again because I I always have this which which do I prefer? Do I prefer Rebels or Clone Wars? Which is the number one that you can't have a favourite amongst your children? What I love about Rebels is just the the time period that it's set in. I really enjoy that time period and all of the cameos that you get of cast coming through from the movies so spoiler alert for people when i know that you've already seen a couple of these then you know james Earl jones back as the voice of vader anthony daniels as c3po um there are some others that i won't mention because i don't know how much you've seen so far but it's just it really brings an authenticity to it and i think where you're up to and we had this conversation off air the other day 
it feels it feels to me like sort of the second half of season two, the first half of season three is for me peak rebels. So um, I think you're in for a, a good next uh, next week or so. I think what's awesome about it, like you mentioned, really cool having uh, Darth Vader um, in there as well. Um, obviously Tarkin. Mm. I think you know how we've talked about before with the Clone Wars. Sometimes the challenges with the Clone Wars is clones. I know there's some character clones, but clones can be a little bit generic. But I, mm. the thing I like about Rebels is it's got some real major set pieces to the wider universe that I that I care about, and it's great to see these characters in a different light. Like I think, particularly Darth Vader, he's yeah. obviously new into being Darth Vader, and just kind of seeing him and his presence and even how he kind of looks slightly different and even more menacing as a as an animated character i thought was quite cool yeah i love it and we've we've talked about this before but it's the ability to tell those stories uh that you just haven't got time for in the movies and to see the characters just spend a bit of time doing other things it just it's really yeah and yeah i can't speak highly enough about this i would love to when you, maybe when you finish do a bit of a deeper dive into it because rebels for me is is one of the all-time greatest animated TV shows ever. Fantastic. And I, I can't wait for you to get through it all. So keep 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 going. I will, I will. And look, and I, I guess I, I also I, I really care about all the characters. Like I care about Hera, I care mm. about Zeb, I like Sabine and like Ezra's obviously really great. Like it's just got so many so mm. many good characters. So Correct. I, I shouldn't have waited so long. Um, and then the other thing I, I've been picking up again, just an episode here and there, is Seinfeld. So I'm about, I think I'm in season five of Seinfeld. Again, such a, such a great palate cleanser. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a pretty easy watch. I think as Seinfeld, you know, again, we talk about this all the time. The deeper you get into Seinfeld, the funnier it gets as these seasons go on. And so I'm in season five at the moment. George is living with his parents. There's all sorts of hilarious conversations going on. Uh, it's a great way to end the evening, particularly in these, I guess, kind of more stressful times as we, particularly here in New Zealand, we are, I guess, considering whether we go back into a another level of lockdown. Correct, yeah. No, Seinfeld is the, the medicine the doctor ordered for sure. And where you're up to is, as we've said before, Pink Seinfeld, Jerry Stiller as the dad. It's, it's, it's great times. So that's that's pretty much my list, apart from the things which we've uh, we're both going to talk about now. So I wonder whether we jump over and talk about um, the Transformers War for Cybertron. I think so. I just just really really briefly, just because I forgot, and I've just remembered we did also. No, no, no. We also watched it, Chapter Two, and I just wanted to do a quick shout out to that movie because I thought it was a really long, two hours forty nine minutes. B, uh, just a really hilarious ride. Honestly, um, I know it's a horror, but I I laugh so much at that movie. Just so funny, the dialogue between the the main characters and a really really nice tie-in to the kids from the first movie to now showing them as the uh, the adults uh, in the second movie. Um, it was I think you mentioned it when we talked about Jessica Chastain as a piece peak performance, and uh, we gave it a go really great watch so um yeah not as good as the first but my goodness really really funny anyway i uh, sorry i i just 
we're, we're back. We're all over the place here. Yeah, we're all over yeah. the place. I think that at chapter two, I am with you. It is way too long. And so I watched it chapter two on a plane, like how I watch all movies in my, in my private jet. Yeah. And it's, I, I think I actually paused it a couple of times to have a nap during the flight because it was just so long. I enjoyed the movie. It had some laughs, but I think it, um, chapter one, so much better, so much more enjoyable. I could easily watch it chapter one at any given point, whereas I felt like it chapter two feels like harder work for me to to put on. Um, and it's almost a it's almost a shame, I think that. And I know the whole point of it was to show these characters as adults, and that's kind of what the mm-hmm. the novel does. But I almost kind of missed having that 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 cast of of younger people. I thought they were really fun. Yeah, I, I thought they did a good blend of the two. Um, but yeah, a little bit too long, and also a different type of horror when we compare it to movies like when we watched um, Bad Samaritan recently. A different type of like uh, I was I was I, the one disappointment was actually that Diana didn't jump out of her chair as much as she did with Bad Samaritan because the, the, the horror in this was actually more of a gruesome kind of makes you feel like, you know, when you see like a, the, the head with the spider legs and just when the old the old granny comes across the room, it's just it's some horrible things, some horrible things, but a, a bit of fun nonetheless. Cool. So shall we move on to Transformers? Yeah, I think so. So this is the the War for Cybertron trilogy, um, and this is the first season that we've both watched. The season called Siege, which is uh, set on Cybertron. What do you think, Dan? I think so. I quite enjoyed that it was only six episodes long. Mm-hmm. I liked how they started to do some new things with some of these characters particularly characters like Bumblebee, like I mentioned last week. Really cool to see him not instantly part of the Autobots. I thought the the animation style was great. I overall enjoyed it, and it was short enough and bite-sized enough for me to to get into it quite easily. Mm. I have some... I guess thoughts and considerations about the, the wider Transformers universe... Um, but look, I think it's it's getting some pretty rave reviews. I think it deserves those reviews in general. I think it's another show which is going to, and we've already seen it, it's going to pump out a great toy line, which is mm-hmm. awesome. You can never have too many Transformers. Correct. It definitely, it definitely, every time I watched an episode, got me excited for Transformers toys. It had me looking on websites to be like, what ones of these do I need in my life? Um, yeah, look, I think overall, it was good. Um, before I go into sort of my, my wider thoughts, what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I Overall, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was uh, complex enough and adult enough to make it not something I was uh, keen to watch with my six-year-old daughter. Um, I think I'll start at the, uh, the 2010 uh, series Transformers Prime with her because we just, we just finished all 88 episodes of the G1 series. So... Uh, looking for a second Transformers. But no, this, one, this one's definitely more adult. As you said, high-quality animation for the most part. It really looks great, and it really hits that spot for the G1 fan in terms of the look and feel. Uh, what you talked about with, with Bumblebee, you know, really good, but different. You know, way he sort of isn't part of the Autobots. Um, there was, there, there's all kinds of little bits and pieces that I uh, will sort of touch on as well. But um, I find... 
the fact that the characters look so much like the toys, I find that really adds to my engagement. Even you know, as an adult, I can appreciate that. I loved it as a kid. Um, I think we talked again off air around how, um, you know, like, as a kid, the Megatron toy didn't look anything like what it looked on on screen, and Ironhide and Ratchet also didn't look like what they did on screen. If you if you want an example, just Google G1 Ironhide toy and have a look at it. It just doesn't look anything like what Ironhide in the series looked like. And so being able to see these characters look down to every detail exactly what those those toys look like. And um, you know, we've 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 got six of them so far from this uh War for Cybertron series. It, it's really rewarding seeing that they're really high quality. So um yeah, it's a, it's a really uh, interesting series. I'm looking forward to seeing where we go with the second season, Earthrise. Um, and uh, yeah, I've got some, some some other thoughts as well, but I'll, I'll see what you've got, got on your your notepad first, Ben. I just Googled um, G1 1984 Ironhide toy, and you're right. It's That does not transform well, does it? No, so not at all. It's for the... If you're at home, there's basically there's a win the the window the window shield is basically covering the face. There's he's very blocky. It's it's a mess. It's not quite how I, yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's not good. It's not good. So I think my comments really, I guess, uh in relation to Transformers in general, but not about this show. So I think the show is great. I'm on board for the next um Next season, uh, the Earthrise part, I think this hits the nostalgia points. I really, some of my favorite characters, Soundwave, Starscream, Bumblebee, um, Ironhide, etc. Like we mentioned with the Bumblebee movie, there's some great nostalgia moments, particularly being on Cybertron and trying to leave. The flip side of this is I feel like we need some new Transformers stories. Mm. I'm quite, and just in general, a little bit tired of Starscream being the kind of pathetic to I see, who's kind of, pathetic's maybe the wrong word, but just sort of the, you know, kind of needy and whiny. Yep. I'm, I'm tired of just like, we're leaving Cybertron, we're going to Earth. I... I just think it's time for something new in this space. I, I don't have the answers of, of what it is, but I just feel like there's only so many times we can keep retelling the same story. I feel like we've obviously G1 did it first. We've got comic books. We've got other um, eras of Transformers. We've got Transformers movies. We've yeah. now got a new animated series, and they all touch on these same th- same sort of storylines and plot points that we're seeing over and over again. And I think in the in the first episode or two episodes when I saw that Bumblebee wasn't part of the the Autobots, I was kind of excited for, oh, wow, this isn't something I've seen. Maybe they're doing something really different. And I think they started down that path, but they also kept it safe by keeping the majority of it, the, the Transformers that we all know and love. And I I don't think it does anything to impact the, the quality of the show. I think it's more just at a, at a personal level. I'm looking for some some new stories to be told. Look, I hear what you're saying. I like the familiarity of that retelling of that same story and being able to see it done in a in a slightly a different take. Um, 
one just because you mentioned it now a couple of times one little piece of trivia i did find the opening sequence with bumblebee and wheeljack interestingly enough those are the same two characters that actually uh, appear on screen in the opening scene of the original g1 transformers series from the 80s more meets the eye so that was quite a nice little consistency but i maybe i haven't consumed as much uh, transformers as you because i yeah i guess i've um i'm so you know, I'm so dang to the, the G1. I think consumed is the wrong word, isn't it? But you know what I mean. I haven't watched as much um, Transformers as you because I really enjoy that similar sort of familiarity and I, I can't wait for them to go to Earth. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't see how that can be possible. I think you've just watched, again, all 88 episodes. You own all Transformers movies on Blu-ray. <laughs> Um, you own most of these toys. I, 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 I'm not sure that that. I think we need to fact check this. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's. I think what I guess what I'm saying is the animated series. I, I haven't watched all of the animated series. Like I'm going into Transformers Prime, watching it only for the second time. But uh, there's a, there's there's a lot in here that is different enough, um, and then then there's a lot of things that are similar. The, the criticism from me, actually, and I, I think I have three that I know today. One, I mentioned this a while ago, is the music. And I think that's, again, possibly because I'm so connected to that 80s theme song, you know, having just watched 88 episodes. Um, it just doesn't resonate as much. Even the Michael Bay movie music, uh, you know, did that more. Uh, secondly, as much as I like the animation, I don't know if you noticed this, but the way their torsos move when they're walking, the way they sort of stretch, that animation just looks very weak and bendy it's not realistic well okay, this is fictitious robots so i don't know how realistic it's supposed to be but it just doesn't feel quite right um and the, but the final thing and this kind of ties in a little bit with the story as much as i like the story i felt like the characters needed a little bit more personality here and there i felt like um they just need to develop that more in season two you know they can inject something. Maybe the voice actors for some of the characters just need to define those characters a little bit more clearly and make them stand out. You know, Sam Raven Prime and Starscream, I think, do, but everyone else felt a little bit maybe too similar sounding. So, um, so yeah, maybe they could work on some of those things. But at the same time, there's so much in there that I love. The, the transforming noise is still really, really good. You know, uh, the character's like Sam Wave, his voice from G1 is iconic. I don't think that's ever been made as good in any other iteration of Sam Wave. But this this version in here, I thought was probably the second best. He sounds, it's kind of like a, a, a 1970s Cylon from Battlestar Galactica in there. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. Um, I like Ratchet being segregated from the Autobots and then blaming Prime for how things have got, you know, again, a very adult theme, uh, sort of a complicated thing. So, um, yeah, this is this is a, a a great first series. I like it like you do. I like the six episodes. It makes it really easy to do. Um, <laughs> I thought Ultra Magnus, when he was wearing that cloak, trying to be all undercover and disguised, I'm not sure how well that worked out for him because, you know, he's kind of got those massive shoulder things. I don't know. That was kind of a bit lame trying to put a cloak on a Transformer. But look, everything else in this for me is, 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 is really, really good. And, uh, I, yeah. I think I can't wait to see what more toys come out. I think uh, I think those moments with uh, Ultra Magnus, where he's wearing a cloak, those moments are made for um, nerds like you and me to be screaming at the TV. That's Ultra Magnus, and um, 
and kind of just trying to like you know school people around us that we know what different transformers are uh i think i just can't i can't echo this enough that the it is definitely doing something to me because as i say every time i watched an episode I also had a had my phone open with all the different toys and it was making me just thinking about like collecting. It was making me think about, as you say, what ones are coming out next. It's obviously doing something right and getting me down in those those deep dark feels, which is a good thing. Yeah, and the final thing I just thought of then was did you notice that um Jetfire was called Jetfire like the toy was in the 80s rather than Skyfire, um, mm. which was the name he had in the 80s series. So that always confused me as a kid why the toy was called Jetfire and the thing on the TV was called Skyfire. So now we've gone to Jetfire, which for me feels right because that's what the toy was. So the toy is boss. Even some of those moments of, uh, obviously, you know, he starts off as, as a character with the Decepticons and then makes the yeah. makes the, the switch to the, the Autobots. And it's even like moments like that. It's like, oh, he's going to make the switch at some point. And it's like, you're kind of you just like preempting the move because I think we're so well um, trained into, into what these stories are. I, um, like I've watched, uh, I guess, a lot of G1 growing up, but I haven't really dabbled in any of the other um, Transformers animated shows, and I ha- and I remember when I was youngish, programs like Beast Wars and stuff coming on, but I've never mm. never dabbled in those either. So Mommy. I think Mommy. I'm I'm really about the core G one, and I guess I would now add this into the into the mix when I'm thinking about animated. Nice Transformers. Cool. So yeah, check, check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, it's a great watch. You'll enjoy it if you're a Transformers fan. Um, let us know if you watch it. Let us know who your favorite Transformer is. Mine's Soundwave. Soundwave for life. Soundwave. Mine's Optimus Prime. Has to be. Can't go past him. That's why you have the Matrix of Leadership, Paul. Thank you, Dan. And I'll uh, I'll take that Matrix and send us uh, on on our way into the next segment of the the podcast, uh, movie of the week. This was your choice, Dan. What did you pick for us this week? Okay, so let's just backtrack just just, just a little bit. So uh, this is our movie of the week. So if you want to watch along with our movie of the week, make sure you join in uh, at the score channel details um, and the, the podcast show notes so you can see what we're watching. Make sure we're not um, ruining this movie too much for you. Now, this week's movie was my choice though the choice didn't come directly from me. What? So, look, I outsourced it. This is I outsourced classic. it. Classic. So I was sitting there with my better half, and we were looking at what, what movies we could potentially recommend, um, obviously bearing in mind that she was going to, Samara was going to watch it as well. And so she's been talking about it for a while. She really wants to watch Six Underground. And so... That obviously got approved by you as the movie as well, uh, but I'm I'm putting all of this on her because I guess so. The movie stars Ryan Reynolds. It's um, it's produced or, or directed by sorry directed by Michael Bay. It's actually written by as I mentioned before the guys that um, wrote Zombieland um, one and two. Rhett Reese and Paul Wenick. And let's just read out the, I guess, the description of this movie so that everyone knows what they're in for as we start to, to talk about it a little bit more. 
What's the best part of being dead? Isn't it escaping your boss, your ex, or even erasing your criminal record? The best part of being dead is the freedom. The freedom to fight the injustice, the evil that lurks in the world without anyone or anything to slow you down or tell you no. Six Underground introduces you to a new kind of action hero. Six individuals from all around the globe, each with the very best at what they do. They've been chosen not only for their skill, but for a unique desire to delete their past and change the future. And the team is brought together by an enigmatic leader, Ryan Reynolds, who's so... Anyway, I go on. I love the tagline. They've buried their past so they can change the future. It's amazing. So interesting as well. So this movie obviously stars Ryan Reynolds and actually also stars an actor who I couldn't remember the name of for a large part of the uh, episode last week, Corey Hawkins, as one of the, as one of the, as five. Um, So he looks quite different from um, when he was Heath on The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. I've got to admit, 20 minutes into this movie, I sent you a text message and said, I'm so sorry for the decision that we've made. And it's funny because this movie almost kind of had a bit of a Fast and the Furious vibe to it. And weirdly, as it went on, I actually kind of started to enjoy it a lot more than I probably should have. And overall, it was kind of terrible and also kind of great. Um, there's, I thought there was a lot of laughs, obviously a lot of um, good moments. You've got definitely got classic Ryan Reynolds in there. I don't know, Paul. What did you think? Firstly, Corey Hawkins played seven, not five. So once again, you've uh, you've messed up with Corey Hawkins. Um, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I, I'm gonna have to change. I'm gonna have to change my uh, source of truth here because I'm I'm literally looking at the the Rotten Tomatoes thing and it says Corey Hawkins is five. Okay. I, I've got to move on. I've got. Yeah. To, Sponsor a show. Correct. I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is the half measure of movie websites. Um, so, look, I went into this not expecting too much, particularly after I got the, the text message from you saying I, I apologize. But I'm going to come right out and say it. This could be the greatest movie of all time. Ignore the hate. Honestly, Six Underground has got everything I want from a Saturday night movie. It's, you know, the, the gunfights, the explosions, flying, diving, car chases. Um, I, I think whenever I go into a movie not expecting much, if if it if it does something that impresses me, it can really impress me. And this movie did that. You know, I uh, I use the expression a lot. Um, it does exactly what it says on the tin, and that's kind of. The quality of a Michael Bay movie, if you like, you know, you know what you're getting. But the difference here is that he's not being let loose on something that I care about, like Transformers. It's just two hours of fun, action, pure adrenaline, and so many, uh, so many great lines, and so many helicopters as well. Honestly, <laughs> Michael Bay is obsessed with helicopters. Every feasible angle, every slow mo. He's done it all across, you know, the Transformers movies and this one. Um, so yeah, so I I really really enjoyed this movie. I I felt like it's uh, and we again we talked about this offline. Ryan Reynolds basically plays himself, right? Uh, and I kind of feel like he he's doing that 
in movies like Deadpool, and you know that might not be good for his career. I don't know, but I'm I'm fine with it because his brand of humor is exactly what makes me laugh. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a watered down Deadpool, maybe because that character's pretty crazy. But uh, yeah, I had a great time. Thanks very much. I think um, the even though we're not you know using this as a, a source of truth anymore, uh, this particular website which has let me down twice tonight has a tomato meter score of 36, but an audience score of 60%. And that actually feels right because I think from a, a critic point of view, it's a pretty ho-hum story. But from, a, I think, a fun, um, as you say, Friday, Saturday night movie, you don't have to be too committed. You're definitely going to get some laughs. You're going to get some good action. You're definitely going to get that Michael Bay over-the-topness. This is a great movie for that. It's definitely – there's a few moments um, – which were a little bit questionable. In fact, I'm interested in your thoughts, Paul, like at the, at the, near the end of the movie, mm. how the, the ghosts all kind of appear in the helicopter. I felt like there was a missing chunk out of that movie about how they even got on that helicopter. And I remember Samara saying to me, what's going on here? And I was like, look, it's six underground. Don't worry about it. That, that bit of information isn't important for you. Yeah, that's a great explanation because there was no way that they could have all gone onto the helicopter given the circumstances and either they, they left it on the, the cutting room floor when editing it or they just did it for deliberate surprise or maybe they just got to the end and they just couldn't be bothered anymore, I don't know. That's what happens when you've got the greatest movie of all time on your hands. Um, yeah, you just get lazy. I don't think we can call it the greatest movie of all time because the last great action movie is the first Fast and the Furious movie, but it is a good action movie, I think. It, it, it is a good action movie. It, you're right to say the, the Fast and the Furious um, sort of links as well because there are some great stunt work. Some of the car scenes, it looks really, really good, like some real budget went into the, the CGI. Um, so they, they threw a lot of money at this one, I think. I don't know how much money it made. My, my research doesn't go that far, but they, they spent a fair bit by the looks of it. I think, um, well, this is always the hard thing because this is a, a straight-to-Netflix movie and Netflix, I think, is pretty guarded on, I guess, numbers and things like that. But I imagine this is a – I mean, for Netflix, it's it's almost like a no-brainer, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got a, a, you've got a few um, superstars in there. You've got a couple of um, Les Nowens. You've got a, a huge director who needs a, a big budget for those helicopter shots, but he probably uses spare B roll out of some of his other movies. Um, and then you put it on a platform where people are already paying for it. Yep. They're always looking for a new movie. I regularly um, are in a state of shock looking at the top 10 movies in New Zealand to see what people are watching. I'm like, God, oh, the choices that we're making as a nation. But you know, <laughs> this, these sorts of movies are always up there. I, I don't think you can go too wrong with it. Don't speak too much, but just have it go go in for a good time. And I think, you know, it's all right. And I think if you like if you like stuff like Deadpool, yeah, um, and, and you like Ryan Reynolds because as you as you've said, Paul, Ryan Reynolds is fine. Ryan Ryan Reynolds, and if you like that type of humor, you are going to get um, buckets load bucket loads of it here. Yeah, and it's it's always the timing of his humor, and I don't mean that as in the timing as in the delivery of a line, but just like in the movie, there's a really huge moment of danger there's no time to think and yet he's got time to turn to someone and fire off some sarcasm at them that for me is is some of the best humor in movies and ryan reynolds delivery of it is 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 really really good and if you do like ryan reynolds also google 
Ryan Reynolds interviews Ryan Reynolds, uh, and that's just a two-minute YouTube clip that is, is is absolutely worth the two minutes. Trust me, great stuff. I'm really enjoying our, our movies of the week, Paul. And I I guess so. We're back to your turn this week, so mm-hmm. I'm intrigued what you're going to pick. I feel like I'm already thinking to myself um, when it comes back around to me. Maybe I'm going to have to step it up a gear in terms of some, maybe something a little bit out of the the action genre but we'll see we'll see we'll see what we come up with should we go across to the newsroom then sure thing do you want to go shall i go first or sure go sure 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 sure. okay so a couple of bits of news from uh my news desk so if i was to say to you paul who is the number one highest paid actor in hollywood who would you say I would say potentially Tom Cruise. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe he's too old now, maybe. I don't know. Let's let's bring it down. Still Will Smith. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Can you tell me, Dan? It is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So his, yeah, so... He's going to be coming up in a few movies that you're going to be watching in the in the coming month or so, which is exciting times. He is, uh, I think, a guy that um, kind of has a license to print money. He's obviously involved in. He's got his Under Armour brand. He's got uh, some a tequila business that he owns. He's in lots of different movies, but his uh, earnings, I think, for the the last twelve months is around. I oh, saw it here. It was. Uh, 87.5 million um, for the year, which is pretty good. Not too shabby. That's not too shabby, is it? No. Not too shabby. Um, And that's actually closely followed by uh, Ryan Ryan Reynolds. So uh, he was on about 71.5 million. So I think what's interesting is there's a a whole new world of earning out there um, with all of these, I think, direct streaming platforms, which is really interesting. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I honestly don't. I just would never have picked Dwayne the Rock. I mean, I I I, I like the guy. I actually think he's he seems like a genuinely really nice guy, and uh, he he's quite entertaining. But I, I yeah, like you say, he's got a license to print money, right? He does. He does. He does. And he, I think he's another actor who's got he's really got his um, comedic tones really down. And I think he often a, a bit like Ryan Reynolds often plays a similar character. Um, in each movie, and I think if you were to cut up a whole bunch of movies on the and have to re-splice them together, you probably could. Yeah. They, they're all got sort of a, a similar nature to them. My next bit of news, and I guess maybe a, a bit of a, I know you like a bit of a quiz, Paul. Mm-hmm. The Queen of England's favourite Christmas movie, what do you think it is? Love Actually. No, that wouldn't be Love Actually. Ah... Do you know what? This is annoying me because I think I saw the the news article for this. It's going to re-trigger me when you tell me the answer. It's the 1980 movie Flash Gordon. Oh, okay. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> wow. Right, look, I, um, look at the, at the way I'm getting my news, who knows? This stuff is probably made up, but I thought that was hilarious and kind of fun that the – I, I like to think of um, Queen Elizabeth sitting down on, on Christmas Eve or over that Christmas break and – all right, guys, let's put on Flash Gordon. You know it's my favourite? <laughs> Get the popcorn. <laughs> I feel like I need to watch this movie now just to, because uh, I've seen it before and it's classic. But um, 
What's your news source on this, Dan? Not that I dare question you on that, of course. Um, this bit of news comes to you from a website called Cinema Blend. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah that's, re- that's reputable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank Very you. interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to move on. I've got a few bits of news, so I'm not going to dilly dally too much. I know that uh, time is sticking. Um, my next bit of news for you. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the movie uh, 47 Ronin, mm. which uh, came out in about 2013. They are making a 47 Ronin sequel spin-off type series, but for Netflix. And it's actually going to be set 300 years in the future from the original 47 Ronin. Mm. And I'm quite interested. I think 300 years in the future potentially gives it a bit of a a cyberpunk Blade Runner type era to it. Mm. Uh, I think that could be quite interesting. Um, Interested to see where they take it. I've been banging on for the last few episodes about my love for all things samurai and Japanese at the moment. So... I'll definitely be keeping an eye on this one as more news comes out about it. I can't imagine it's going to star Keanu Reeves uh, by any stretch of the imagination. One, he's a pretty busy guy, and it's 300 years in the future, but you never know. Um, I think there's lots of interesting things to happen in there. Very interesting. My next bit of news, um, are you a Tron fan at all, Paul? This is on my list of news, so I'm excited to hear you talk about it. I certainly am a Tron fan. So uh, interesting news that Tron 3 seems to be, um, according to my news source, not officially greenlit, but Mm. seems to be potentially um, doing the rounds, and it looks like it's going to be potentially starring uh, Jared Leto. Um, Interesting. I don't know if I have too much to say about it at this stage. Um, obviously, the um, the director is going to be um, Garth Davies. So, again, don't have too much of an opinion about it. We'll be interested to see whether it does get greenlit and where they go with it. Are you looking forward to this one? I am, yeah. I, I saw the news in our Discord channel and I was excited. I love, I love the original movie back in the 80s. And I'm also... A really big fan of the of the sequel Tron Legacy, which people it seemed either loved or hated, and and a lot of people seemed to hate it. But I I really enjoyed that really great visual movie, great soundtrack, and I'm really hope we get some of the original cast back for that third movie as well. Uh, it's a it's it's a franchise which, for I think when I think of Disney, it's probably the most um, putting aside you know the, the recent acquisition of Star Wars and obviously Marvel. It feels like the best sort of Disney sci-fi type action for me. I, I really always enjoyed this. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited by a third movie. And my my final bit of news, speaking of Disney, so Disney has a, a reboot movie in the works. I don't know if you remember a little movie called Three Men and a Baby. Directed by Leonard Nimoy. I do. I do <laughs> exactly. Exactly another uh you know, close former friend of the show. Good, 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 good. <laughs> I had to be careful there. I don't I want to keep it classy. So this article actually, uh, I was reading about it on the Empire website. And at first I kind of thought, who cares about this news? This is this is not that interesting. But I did think the bits that kind of 
so they've got uh, Zac Efron attached to this project, which is an interesting interesting choice. But the piece that made it, I thought, why it'd be interesting to talk about on the show today is they're looking at remaking this movie um, because it's the type of movie which has obviously been around for a while and it's sort of been considered as a movie that a lot of younger audiences will have never seen and probably would have no interest in watching the the old version. So as far as a you know, straight-to-Disney Plus piece of content, probably feels right up their alley. They can make it family-friendly. They can make it fun. They're obviously going to um, get a whole bunch of attention and a whole bunch of interest having um, an actor like Zach Efron involved in it. So I just thought it was interesting. And to be honest, like we mentioned last week, I think Disney Plus needs to be doing a lot to start creating new content and keep people interested. Agreed. I, I don't have too much to say about this other than, you know, I, I did enjoy the originals. They're, they're sort of like you watch them once. They're a bit of fun. Uh, I, I'd love to see some of the original cast return, in, you know, not as mains, but maybe as cameos. I think that could be a nice little touch. But, uh, yeah, interesting. And that, my friend, is all of the news that I have. If we switch over to your news desk, what have you got? Well, uh, I'm going to start with my you know, cliche, Paul, starting off with some Star Trek. Uh, the new Star Trek animated series premiered this week in North America. Apparently it's good, although some people who don't like Rick and Morty aren't as keen, plus there's always a band of haters out there, you know. So much hate out there, Dan. But um, I, of course, can offer no opinion on this show so far because uh, it's not going to air here for at least a few more weeks. So uh, I'm having to be careful what articles I read, and I've muted several accounts on Twitter. To uh, to avoid spoilers, but yeah, it's great to hear that this um, this series has landed pretty well. This is the first animated Star Trek since the 1970s, so that's pretty cool. Also on the subject of Star Trek, but this time the big screen, the new Star Trek movie, which would have featured the return of Chris Hemsworth um, alongside regulars Chris Pine, Zoe Saldana, Carl Urban, and Co, has been put on halt. So Paramount haven't confirmed 100% if they're cancelling it or just delaying it. But, yeah, it's a real shame as uh, Noah Hawley was attached to, to direct that one, and I really like him as a writer-director. So it's a, it's a shame. Actually, I should probably catch up on Legion, which he also wrote. I never really did finish that. Um, so, yeah, not sure what's happening there in the Star Trek movie world. Uh, what else have I got? That's a, that's a shame about that because I – I haven't watched a lot of Star Trek, as, as, as you know, but I, I have seen the, the more recent movies and um, it would have been great to see some of those characters back and it would have um, it, it definitely would have got me in front of the, the big screen for it. Yeah, and I think Chris Hemsworth would have been great because he played Kirk's father in the first movie, the 2009 J.J. Abrams movie, and uh, obviously he died in that movie, so there would have been obviously some sort of time travel or alternate universe or something that would have brought him back in, which would have been interesting. Uh, and what else? Have I got? Oh, yeah, so there was those new posters for the Christopher Nolan movie, Dennett, that came out this week. Uh, we posted a couple in our Discord channel. They look really sharp. Uh, Great-looking cast, as always, in every Christopher Nolan movie. So let's hope that the release schedule for that internationally continues on track and that... Um, if it does, uh, we're one of those countries that isn't in lockdown at the time. Um, it sounds like um, so they've already started pre-sales for Tenant in the UK, and apparently it's doing really well with mm -hmm. um, people scooping up tickets. I've also seen some interesting commentary around Tenant 
um, that Christopher Nolan hasn't used a lot of green screen technology yes. in this movie. Correct. In fact, he's recorded um, scenes multiple times, different angles, um, and um, and then in reverse and a whole, a whole bunch of stuff. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch, um, particularly because it looks like it's going to be another one of those Inception type sort of mind bending films. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really excited. I I hope we get this too, and I hope that. Um, we don't end up in a lockdown state, so we can't watch it. Correct, yeah. And I think if that one does come out, that'll definitely be one that you and I will, will both go to the movies and watch and we can talk about on the podcast. Uh, the final two things I've got here, AMC announcing season 10 of The Walking Dead returning on the 4th of October, so I think it'll be great for us to have The Walking Dead back in our lives as well. Um, and then finally, Brian Cranston announced that he would love to make a cameo as Walt in the final season of Better Call Saul, or possibly even direct an episode. I'm just so excited about that possibility. That would be a really nice touch, um, you know, to, to, to weave his character in as a character, as a cameo. I'd be on board for that. And uh, that's all the news that I've got. Shall we switch switch over to the mailbag? Let's do it, Paul. What's uh, What's been happening? What's the social media manager sent into you this week? Quiet week this week. Um, firstly, and this is actually tied to the Star Trek news. Um, so our newest member in the Discord channel, uh, uh, Discord community, sorry, uh, Sador, he was talking in our news channel about the Trek movie being halted, and he started talking about Noah Hawley, and then he was he was talking about how much he loves Fargo, which Noah also wrote and direct. And uh, there was, yeah, there was a bit of chat going on about that. But anyway, it just got me thinking about Fargo and. You know, that was supposed to air season four back in April, but it got delayed because of COVID-19. And here we are in August with no end of it in sight, if anything, possibly more lockdown. And I just, I think it's really starting to hit home for me that we are in for a real big hiatus of TV shows. Like you said, you know, there's going to be a real sort of the wells running dry on new content. I think, you know, there's bigger problems in the world, but uh, I think that's... um, starting to, to hit home for me but um anyway it's uh it's great to have you involved in the discord chat uh sador um so yeah thanks for getting involved in that little chat yeah i think um, that um because there's a few other like I, I saw another bit of news before that they're potentially looking to further delay movies like wonder woman mm-hmm. uh, 1984 i think you're right we you know we've kind of had these delays and we've had new dates and it's kind of kept us going We've mentioned so many times now, you know, when we're looking at new for new content to watch on the variety of different platforms that exist, it's just not there. And I think for me, I guess what it's done to make me think is maybe it's time to go back, you know, to shows like Lost, to shows like The Sopranos, to, you know, like you're doing now, watching Breaking Bad again. It's it's going to be time to kind of dust off maybe some of the classics and maybe they become the new binge. Correct. Yeah, some of the old favourites bring them back. 100% agree. Uh, Ryan from San Francisco, he saw uh, Invaders from Mars post on Instagram and said it was one of his favourites and that he would listen to our podcast. So hopefully he enjoyed uh, that one uh, I mentioned on last week's podcast. Uh, last week's peak performance uh, actress was Jennifer Lawrence and Norman from uh, Roddenberry.com, uh, made a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek comment about her movie Red Sparrow being 
the Black Widow movie before the Black Widow. Uh, many fans have theorised and made links and comparisons between uh, Red Sparrow and Black Widow, apparently. I'm not familiar with either, so I, I can't comment, but uh, that was quite a uh, nice of Norman to get involved in the conversation there. He also um, mentioned uh, for Robert De Niro, he chose Jimmy Conway from uh, Goodfellas. Hard choice to argue with. Um, also, fun fact for the listeners, I based my haircut on Jimmy Conway from Goodfellas, and I, I had it from about 1990 to 2005, which is something that always cracks my wife up when she sees photos of me from that era. Um, and Norman also included a nice little gif, uh, or gif of De Niro from Goodfellas on our Facebook page, which we also always appreciate. And finally, on the, also on Facebook, um, our friend Paddy, uh, from Time Travelling Tank was back again and he he decided to choose Al Capone from Under the Untouchables uh, which you also mentioned Dan so uh, you know another great choice another great movie especially with that peak performance from Sean Connery as well and that's the mailbag Do you know what I really love about um, the, the peak performance people that write in or get in touch whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it may be mm. is I love that people tell us about their favourite, and it's 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 never done in a oh, negative way. That movie was terrible. It should have been this. It's always like oh, my favourite is, and it's it's kind of nice that it's a uh, you know it's kind of bringing about a, a positive community in these um, darker times that we're in. And I completely agree with uh, Norman's comments around Black Sparrow. Black Sparrow, such a great movie. I think Black Sparrow and also Anna are the movies that i imagine could have been the black widow um origin story which such 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 a great um i i love that whole sort of russian spy um era love the americans also that the kgb Mm. type vibe so great recommendations nice so that probably brings us on to our peak performances so we, as per usual, are running quite well behind time. But you know what? We're having a great time. That's well, right. I am. That's um, right. Let's keep so, it going. Let's, keep it, let's go for a record, let, shall we? Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So um, this week it was uh, Paul's choice for the actor and the actress. And so the actress that Paul went for this week was Julia Roberts. So... Paul, did you want to go first, or should I go first? I can't remember what we agreed. Uh, I think I think I went first the few, few, first few times, so I think you should have a, a first shot again. Okay, so Julia Roberts, interesting choice. I feel like a, Julia Roberts is an actress for me that I feel like I grew up with, and was in a lot of movies all the time, and but at the same time, I feel like an actress that I haven't seen a lot of personally over the last. Mm-hmm. 10 to 15 years for whatever reason. And I guess there's, when I was sort of looking at her at her back catalogue, there's two movies that kind of stood out for me. So the first one is, I went for a bit of an odd choice here, Sleeping with the Enemy. Mm. And so this is a movie which didn't, review-wise, pretty terrible, audience score wise pretty good but it's one of those movies came out in 1991 um and julia roberts basically tries to escape her um violent husband starts up a new life fakes her own death type situation and back in 1991 i guess 
what I've been. 33? 12. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I guess, um, yeah. anyway, I would have been, what, 12 or, or something. And I, I remember one of those movies that, I guess for me was one of those sort of first psychological thriller type movies that mm. I ever watched. And I have no idea what it translates to today, but I remember some of those moments being quite, being actually kind of quite terrifying, just the idea of this um, violent partner of hers kind of tracking her down and messing with her and then eventually, um, you know, trying to take her back. And it's always been a, a performance which has really stuck with me I can't speak to the quality of the movie now, but that's 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 one of the ones that's really up there for me. But I'm, I'm going to put that in my runner-up category. Mm-hmm. My actual choice for peak performance for Julia Roberts is going to be the 1999 movie Notting Hill. So, Paul, I can see by the look on your face, shock, shock horror. And I'm actually going to have to dedicate this um, this peak performance not only to Julia Roberts, but my my father-in-law is the biggest Notting Hill fan you could possibly imagine. He watches this movie all the time. He owns multiple copies. Um, it's his favorite rom-com. He's a huge rom-com fan, and this is really up there for him. And I I, I guess I have to credit to him to always sort of talking about how great this movie is, and he'll he'll put it on you know, on any any given time. So mm. the movie has a, a lot of great nostalgia factor. It's it's still a good watch today. A, a rom-com isn't my normal um, pick for I guess a peak performance or even my genre, but I guess this movie has a bit of a, a special place in in our family's heart. I love it. I yeah, I love it. I Julia Roberts. When I started thinking about her, I had a similar feeling to you, Randy. I haven't seen much of her, but I have actually seen her in a few things. But what I I feel like I feel like she's a legendary actress now. But I feel like we just don't get to see enough of her in big movies these days. And I and I, I wonder why because she always gives. When I was looking at her back catalogue, like you were, she always gives great performances. And I find one of the things that she does well is her chemistry with uh, whoever she's acting opposite um, that she's, she's really good at and that she always makes it feel really, you know, really real. For example, um, the Oceans movie, you know, Oceans 11, Ocean 12 and 13, her chemistry with George Clooney, I, I just found that really, really convincing. Uh, the Mexican opposite Brad Pitt, her scenes with James Gandolfini in that movie who took a hostage, absolutely hilarious, really, really good. So many great, Movies. I mean, obviously, Pretty Woman is a standout. Classics like you mentioned, like Sleeping with the Enemy, Flatliners, just always great. My runner-up is actually The Pelican Brief from 1993. I can't say I've watched it in ages, but I just remember she was fantastic in it. And when I when I saw it on her list, I actually added it onto my watch list because I feel like I'm overdue watching this. And both her and Denzel Washington are great in that movie. Um, but my my favourite role, my peak performance for her, then, is Notting Hill. And that was why I was making that crazy face at you, because it's, it's, it's very rare for us to agree. And uh, this is a movie that I credit to Julia Roberts as the one that really made that whole movie. I, I thought without her, I don't know if it would have worked as well. I think I feel like if they cast someone else, maybe the wrong person, that the whole thing could have... You know, potentially fallen apart and just not been as successful because I, she really brought it all together. And um, yeah, this is one of those movies. Um, 
much like you were just talking about, it's one of those I'm quite happy to put on and, and watch a few times. It's Notting Hill for me, so snap then. That's, uh, I, I always feel like I'm always thinking about, uh, are we going to have the same choice? And I wouldn't have thought we would have gone the same way with Julia Roberts, so that's, that's really interesting. Do you know what I'd like to see, Paul, just to kind of um, redeem ourselves a little bit? Can we get um, maybe, what is his name? What is his name? Oh, God. Um, here we go. Fletcher from The Gentleman playing um, <laughs> playing the Hugh Grant role in Notting Hill, and let's just see what that, that cocktail of things looks like. That may have been a slightly different flavour to the more traditional Hugh Grant, 100%. Yeah, that would be interesting. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Okay, so some some good choices there, and I, I'm with you. I I was very close to picking the Mexican. I really enjoyed the Pelican Brief. It's mm. just been so long since I've seen seen that movie. Um, I I would really struggle to even tell you too much about what it was about. So moving on to our our actor for peak performances. So this week you've picked um, the famous Samuel L. Jackson. Mm. So. You know what, Paul? I'm going to let you go first on this one, okay. just in case I steal your thunder, because I think it's going to be highly likely. Okay, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, right? And um, the first thing I, I thought when I started looking through Samuel Jackson's back catalogue, his film history, I don't think I realised he was in so many of the older movies. I think I'd lost track of just how old how old he was, because when you think about you know, quintessential Samuel Jackson in, in Pulp Fiction, he was in his 40s at that point. And that, for me, sometimes feels like the first time I saw him. But it really wasn't because he's in movies like Coming to America and Goodfellas and Patriot Games. And I just, I, I guess he just wasn't front and centre at that point. Um, there's also a lot of movies I've noticed that he's sort of in that score really lowly. So maybe he's signing up for some playing, I don't know. And I also spotted Dan just quickly. He's in a movie called The Last Full Measure. And I feel, I feel like based on the movie title alone that we should both uh, make a commitment to watch that one day. Um, but yeah, look, I'll be honest, most of my enjoyment of his roles have been the Quentin Tarantino roles. And, you know, there's many of those to consider, given that he's appeared in just about, I think, all of the Tarantino movies. One that stands out for me is Django Unchained. Uh, I felt that was a really strong performance from him, a really pivotal character in the story. Also, Jackie Brown. I felt he was really intimidating in that movie. I really enjoyed him in a really unsuccessful movie alongside Robert Carlyle called Formula 51. Really not the best movie at all, but he, he's really quite scary, quite intimidating kind of character, and he, he plays that role really, really well. Um, and I feel like, as much as I want to say Pulp Fiction is my peak performance, I, was this, I felt like there was so much about that performance that maybe I was attributing to those great lines of dialogue that Quentin Tarantino wrote and his back and forth with John Travolta and the overall direction of that movie. And there's so many great lines, particularly when he's shouting or all the classic um, citations. But it's tough, though, because then I argue, that just like with Julia Roberts in Notting Hill, I argue, but the wrong person in that role, would those lines of dialogue actually have been delivered so well? Who else could have delivered those lines like Samuel Jackson? Would the scenes with Travolta be as memorable? And so in the end, I decided I'm going to overrule my own arguments. And Samuel Jackson is just too good in this role. So for me, it's, uh, it's Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction for me. 
Great choice, great choice. I think I agree with uh, everything you've said. Um, it's always interesting, isn't it, with a, a character like Samuel L. Jackson, because almost a bit like Ryan Reynolds, I think so often Samuel L. Jackson plays Samuel L. Jackson, and even though there's different flavours of the type of character, I think on the Samuel L. Jackson dial, you can either have him at kind of a, a, a two, I don't think there is a zero, or a ten, and I think all of those movies kind of get put often on the on the the five plus scale in terms of um, Full Fury. Mm-hmm. I think for me, my runner up choice is obviously big um, Tarantino movie fan. So all of those choices, uh, Django in particular, great choice. Also, much like Liam Neeson, we can't forget that. Um, mm-hmm that old Sam Jackson is Mace Windu. And I actually think as as a member on the Jedi Council, such a badass. And I think just his ability to kind of hold your attention, be kind of a little bit scared of him, like he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a principal at a school. He definitely knows some stuff. The fact that he can kind of hold his own next to Master Yoda is pretty awesome. I think... Also, as his role as Nick Fury uh, in the Avengers series, incredible casting, great choice. But I think I'm with you. I'm going to go with Pulp Fiction as well. Not only is he absolutely amazing in that film, the film itself is a is a top tier film, and I think that's that's maybe a type of film that we should actually do a review of sometime in the near future because it's been way too long since I've seen Pulp Fiction. Um, and I think his his character um, as Jules is it's just top notch, and I I don't think we get movies like that as much these days, which is a shame. Um, but no, these it was it was a tough choice, tough choice. Yeah. I almost went with um, when he was in um, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed him, Likewise. enjoyed him in that movie. But it's a tough choice. I have a strong memory of Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, when Bruce Willis is driving the car and Samuel Jackson's in the passenger seat, just like not coping with the driving at all. Really, really great, great scene. And good shout on Mace Windu um, because there was the possibility that an actor like that could take you out of the movie. Um, and because you don't, you don't typically think of Star Wars movies having really, really famous movies. But maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. You know what I mean? It's the, he could have brought me out of that movie, but he didn't. He really, he played Mace Windu in a, in a really different way. And as you say, that really intimidating, better than you kind of vibe. So, uh, yeah. And look, I think the fact that he has a purple lightsaber in a universe where a purple lightsaber didn't really exist, I think is a, a credit to who he is as a person. And I imagine the uh, the mana and the... Um, strength of character he probably brings on the set at any given time regardless of the character that he's playing correct correct i'm just looking at the clock then look at the clock we i think we have we we beaten our own record are we is this like a new weekly challenge to see if we can just keep going longer it's incredible these episodes are getting long um what's going to be our our code word to see whether anyone actually listens uh this week paul uh, this week what's a word that we can use this week and we did have a we did have some responses just uh, from some of the listeners so that was always good to to hear uh, the, the code word this week is megatron 
Megatron. All right. If you've made it this far, give us the Megatron shout out and um, we'll know that that you can handle 126 minutes or so of the, the Half Measures podcast. Look, I don't know about you, Paul, but it's been a blast. Um, I think your peak performance recommendations were great. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what your movie is going to be next week. I think if you want to follow along with us, make sure you come and join us on our Discord channel. A special shout-out again to our Patreon producers, Trisha Brady uh, and Samara King. We couldn't do this show without you. you you're definitely helping keep the lights on. Um, make sure you... You know, tell us what you think of the show. If you've got any thoughts or um, different opinions to ours or movie recommendations, get in touch with us at the Half Measures Podcast website or um, through our Twitter at Half Measures Pod. But yeah, it's been great. And once again, uh, thanks to Mission Blog and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for their support. And as always, getting involved in the conversation with us as well was always greatly appreciated. And yeah. Thanks for listening. Dan, I uh, can't wait to hear your suggestion for uh, peak performance. Uh, you, 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 uh, even if you outsourced the movie of the week, you did a great job, had a great time. So uh, I look forward to seeing what we come up with next week. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Adios. See you next week. <laughs>